Ladies and gentlemen, it's a good, good, good day today. I just got my new keyboard, wireless keyboard. I am upgraded. Now, the only thing I need now is a new laptop. If anyone's got a couple of, uh, couple of K, let me know. In the words of Public Emmys, Chuck D, bring the noise. From the Fifth Inn Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. And uh, yeah, it's been a pretty solid week. I can't complain this week, honestly. It's been, um, I've, I've started a... Uh, I do this thing sometimes where like uh, I, I, I just really felt like writing, you know what I mean? So, um, and I just realised, like, I woke up like uh, a week ago, and I was just like... I haven't written, like, a, f- a script from start to finish in a minute, so I was just like, fuck it, let's do it, I had, like, I had, like, an idea in my head, like, a really, really small idea, literally a seed, seedling kind of idea, it wasn't even, like, the only thing I had was, like, uh, it was gonna be three main characters and, uh, and the name of the show, that was actually it, <laughs> and I've, uh, literally been, um, <clears throat> writing in the past six days, and uh, yeah, it's been going well. I've got about 22 pages done so far. Um, that's a real good average for me. And uh, yeah, I hope if I finish that by February, boy, you better block me on everything because I'm going to scream that to the rooftops of how boss I am. Big, big, big flex. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, can't complain. Really solid week. Really productive. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't be happier. And uh, yeah, <coughs> new laptop. Right, for, uh, new laptop. I wish. Fuck you know, I wish. Oh my. Gosh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh, no, I got a, I got a, a wireless keyboard because um, my hands were just um, I don't know the placement weren't wasn't helping me. Um, so I felt like if my hands are, are lower, closer to my closer to my base, uh, be my hands would feel much better. So uh, yeah, yes, basically I'm doing like I move it whenever I like. You know what I mean? So it's, it's pretty it's pretty good. The only problem is is that um, there's no lighting under here, so. Um, it's a bit shaded, but uh, apart from that, you know, I'll, I'll sort that out at some point, somehow. I don't know, get like a, put like a mini light under it so I can actually see it, but yeah, it's it's all good, I can't complain. But anyway, uh, yeah, hope everything's been okay with you guys, um, you know what I mean? So it's been, out, outside, it's been uh, interesting, of course, I think more of the same of everything, it's, got, it's getting colder, um, you know, a few storms here and there, um, it was weird, because like, there was a storm in UK. I forgot the I forgot the name of it. Who cares? But um, it happened, and <laughs> the next day it was pretty decent like weather down here where I live. But apparently up 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 north it was like people have to like evacuate and shit. I'm just like, raw. Couldn't be me. <laughs> um, honestly, like it's just it's, it's just crazy to think about. Like even such even such a small line as this, the weather can just be you know, night and day sometimes, it's really weird, but, uh, you know, it, uh, apart from that, you know, people going back to school, or some people going to school in March, apparently got news on that recently, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all good, keeping on, keep on keeping on, you know what I mean, just trying to do what you can, trying to do what you, what you can, and that's all you can do, you know what I mean, so uh, do not fret if you're one of those people that are friend. but anyway, let's jump right in, 
uh, enough enough chit chat. Got a full slate. Uh, got a two life. Got sports and got a music uh, segment as well. Formats before we begin. Email to the IG Discord link. All that, all that, all that, all the links of the articles I'm about to read through the throughout the episode will be in the full show notes. So be uh, looking out for that and give the articles a read for yourself. Um, and yeah, without further ado, let that beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where legendary interviewer and TV host Larry King dies aged 87, uh, Met Police raid an illegal gathering in Knightsbridge, uh, Knightsbridge issuing fines worth over 15k. That's a that's a that's, that's big boy that's big boy money right there. Um, that's that's crazy, isn't it? Like this, the, the, if you if, I don't know if you guys have seen the video. The video is crazy. Like they're, like they're in this real dingy just like. I don't know, like space. It's like it looks like underground. You know what I mean? It's like someone just made an underground space. It looks like a bunker or something, like an old I don't know, World War Two storage bunker or some shit. Um, and yeah, the Met Police raid that shit. Um, I assume they arrested everyone, or just you know, I don't know. Got I guess got their details or something like that. I don't know how how, the, how it works over there. Uh, in ter- in terms of that, because you can't arrest everyone. <laughs> it was it was a lot of people. Um, you know, it's 15k of fines. Like, it's, it's definitely a lot of people. But anyway, you know, it's just you—you uh, you guys are really making this hard. Like, you—you you, you lot just once st- you, you think you're you think you're doing a step forward, but you're really just pushing us all back. Um, so you know, I hope I hope I hope that fine's worth it. Uh, Google threatens to shut down its search engine in Australia. Imagine that, right? I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, imagine if Google just, just disappeared. Like, it, it's silly. It's silly how ubiquitous. Uh, Google is. I, I was listening to a podcast recently, and you know, just um, Freudian slip, right? But they, but they were talking about just um, it was it was a basketball podcast, so they were talking about you know, go search up this dude on YouTube, see his defensive highlights, right? Um, and the host said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, uh, go on YouTube and Google the 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 highlights, and it was a Freudian slip, right? Because obviously he meant search. But the fact that people say Google instead of search, like that's crazy to think about. Just think about that. Like you, your your brand is your name is so ubiquitous. It's replaced an actual word. <laughs> like <laughs> like I can say Google to anybody. Yo, Google that. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Search that. Search that up. Look it up. It's, it's, it blows my mind. It blows my mind how just how ubiquitous Google is, just as a word, not even as, like, the, con- not even as the company itself and what they do, just the word Google, and the fact that if I say Google this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, crazy, anyway, uh, Frank Lampard is out as Chelsea manager, I was, I was, I was, I was put off by this, right, because I was like, because I'm always that kind of person that likes something to be finished before you make cuts in any way, you know what I mean, just, like, let the season end, like, the kind of someone halfway through the season just feels so incomplete to me and it just feels like disarray would just come over everybody involved you know what I mean but hey man it is what it is uh Thomas Tuchel is is it how, how you say it? Tuchel um I, I didn't really realize he was a uh, German I thought it was French because Tuchel sounds sounds French but he's German um but yeah he's in, he's in there now 
and uh, I think it's the uh, first game today as I record, so uh, you know, con- uh, good luck with that. Uh, and lastly, UK passes 100k COVID-related deaths, so that's where we're at. And uh, let's begin with uh, talking about Clubhouse. So this is this is something I've been wanting to talk about for a minute. Um, you know, Clubhouse, social, uh, kind of like a social media thing in a way. Uh, how how would I put it? Like like a an audio conferencing uh, drop in uh, conference thingy, whatever you want to call it, uh, voice focus application basically. Um, and yeah, this this the kind of the hype around it came around the time uh, I finished up What's Good for the Year 2020. So throughout December where it started like popping off um, and uh, I guess late November as well. But uh, I, found, I finally found an article which I felt, which was recent, recently dropped. Uh, this one dropped a couple of days ago in 21st. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was a good, I thought it was a good worth, uh, good worth a read. Uh, that doesn't mean, that doesn't make sense at all as a, as a sentence, but you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to just talk about Clubhouse because like people were just constantly saying, "Oh, you're on Clubhouse, you're on Clubhouse." I'm like, "I'm not on fucking Clubhouse. I'm on Android is what it is, like you know what I mean." But funny enough, um, it, it's turning into a cesspool before it even expands into Android phones, and it's just, I just I don't know. There's something poetic about that. Like, just before it even expands a little bit. Um, and by a little bit, I mean going to the other phone, uh, other main uh, operating system on smartphones. It's already uh, getting a bad rep. Funny. It just, it just makes me laugh. But anyway, this is called Clubhouse Wanted to be Different, but Bigotry Flourished Anyway. This is by Nicholas Tyrrell Scott uh, via GQ. So it's just our prime. Clubhouse, a voice only app, is becoming the latest social media based phenomenon. Not quite a WhatsApp or private messenger, Paul Davison and Rohan Seth's startup won the hearts and, more importantly, pockets of Silicon Valley in spring 2020. Since then, Clubhouse has driven from a Southern California talking point to become the main attraction of the media and music industries, with name with big names now clamoring for a chance to access the invite-only app. And that's the funniest thing. The fact is invite-only and it's still becoming accessible. In, I, 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 was, I was saying to the people that were like bigging up Clubhouse at me, right? I was like, I was like, you just wait, you just wait, you wait till they remove the invite only, and anybody can jump in. Oof. Oh, 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 you'll be, you'll be deleting that fucking app with the quickness. But they ain't even got to that yet. It's just great. It's just funny to me. Anyway, let's continue on. Like an assortment of startups and business and businesses before it, such as Monzo or Soho House, both founders banked on exclusivity, and it worked. Once you're signed on the clubhouse, you periodically gain access to a limited amount of invites, which you can use to curate your community and who has access to the application at large. Once you've nominated a person and they've accepted, a nominated by banner stays rooted to their profile, almost like a badge of honor of sorts. By September, figures such as Top Dog, uh, Top Top Dog, Top Dog <laughs> Entertainment, Top Dog uh, Entertainment's Terence Punch Henderson, uh, Black Girl podcast host Scotty Beam, and Rap Radar CEO Elliot Wilson has jo- had joined the app. Light forms of commentary on the likes of Twitter and Instagram quickly generated an air of curiosity which persisted throughout autumn. As users steadily began to increase the in the thousands by November last year, it's about the time when I began hearing of it, uh, murmurs of a Twitter rival loosely titled Spaces swept the internet, and by the 17th of the month, the social media juggernaut formally announced a similar feature going to beta in, uh, within weeks. 
Ironically, a conversation on Clubhouse hosted by writer and journalist Shamira Ibrahim, uh, which was in response to the press release, saw a member of Twitter's development team clarify that the Spaces feature had been in the works for months, uh, brackets, as well as wider developments with voice on the applications at large, such as voice tweets, uh, brackets. Uh, regardless of the current beta testing, Clubhouse is still running rampant across the digital landscape almost a year after its inception. With more than 600,000 users, uh, Clubhouse is set to surpass its first billion users within the coming weeks. Take a closer look at its features, uh, features and it quickly differenti- differentiates itself from predecessors such as House Party. That was doo-doo. I'm sorry. Uh, when when lockdown happened, right, initially, the first first lockdown, right, lockdown one, uh, literally around this time, that, <laughs> nearly around this time uh, last year, ne- nearly, nearly at the year anniversary, which is like summit of March, um, my friends were like, go, uh, we go and go on house party, like, you know, just link up and stuff. I'm just like, we we're on we're on like I don't know Facebook Messenger or whatever or WhatsApp. Just why don't we just do it there? You know, what I mean, it's just the same thing, is it not? Just hop on a video call, right? That's basically what it is. But yeah, how to download house party, and we did it for a couple of months, and then uh, then uh, yeah, I think I feel I feel like we all swiftly deleted it after a few times. Anyway. Uh, differentiates itself from predecessors such as House Party in that there's quote unquote moderation features uh, allowing you to add people up to the quote unquote stage of your chat room, colloquially labeled quote unquote panels uh, by users, instantly mute people, remove them entirely, or move participants to the audience. These subtle yet hugely transformative features have fundamentally helped in galvanizing divergent behavior among consumers. On one side of the spectrum, there's the approach of having 50-member large stages hoarding space and fighting to be the loudest in the room, or the other extreme of only allowing personal networks to speak. I am much into the second one, just off the just off the 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 the, the imagination of like having 50 people. That just makes me anxious. Uh, the success of now Apple-backed web series versus uh, the proliferation of Zoom quizzes and many late nights spent on house party, not, in, not anymore, are proof of how coronavirus has dented our ability to socially interact and the lengths we'll go to see one another. The Office of National Statistics estimates across lockdown, uh, one in four people have experienced some form of loneliness. At one point early last year, Instagram will be inundated with Instagram live watch parties, Q&As, and other derivatives of these moulds. Excuse me. Uh, whether we like it or not, at large, humans are social beings, and this is uh, and this is need, and it is need that clubhouse corners proxy, uh, proxies for interaction are only going to be more appealing when the real thing is off limits. When I first joined Clubhouse in mid October, much of the rhetoric centered around this being uh, being the quote unquote new safe space. Uh, initial. Yeah, initial rooms were titled around how to make sure that a small community at the time, due to the invite procedure from Clubhouse, and loads of digital natives desperately sought an antidote to Twitter, uh, where the performance of quote-unquote cancel culture uh, apparently run rampant. Days before I joined the application, however, hip-hop veteran Russell Simmons was the talk of multiple rooms, largely because of activists and businesswoman Marcia L. Dyson's nominating and subsequently inviting him to the application. This is a man connected to an overwhelming amount of sexual assault allegations, uh, from which he is vehemently denied, through, for whom Dyson had provided a platform. Record producer Drew Dixon, who created the documentary On the Record, in which multiple women shared allegations of Simmons' behaviour, uh, even tweeted her fears about the application's quote-unquote safe space status. 
uh, when news broke of Simmons joining. How can an application that has since gone, uh, to, gone on to admit the likes of Tory Lanes, Chris Brown and others who have been alleged to have perpetrated real harm be a quote-unquote safe haven? Microcosms of society always feel like a chance to build safer spaces, but are always going to fall victim to the forms of oppression that run rampant in society at large. In a room called, Is Kevin Hart Funny? Uh, which he isn't, by the way. Just wanted to throw my personal uh, 2, 2P out there. Uh, started on 27th of November. Journalist Wanna Thompson interrogated Hart on an array of questionable acts in his career. One of which involves a joke made in his Netflix uh, special, Zero Fucks Given, about his 15-year-old daughter at the time and her quote-unquote hoe activities. During the discourse, she was unable to finish many of her points, Multiple men spoke over her, and other black women on stage uh, told her she was wrong and attempted to mansplain points. Vanessa Adams, who works in music marketing, echoes the sentiments of other black women about their experiences on Clubhouse. Quote, There's been situations where uh, so many breakout rooms have had, have had to be created to make people aware of the harm ca- caused. Uh, I feel like when there's a difference of opinion, people don't know how to take that on. Unquote. That's that's a fascinating point. Like the fact that people don't know how to take and take another point that is opposite to yours and actually you know debate and you know quote unquote argue. The fact that people actually don't know how to do it properly is fascinating to me. It's a fascinating social experiment to actually see how people just you know just jump all over you and just like, blah, 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 blah. It's just like that's not how to talk like <laughs> you don't talk like that it's, especially on something like this like like just because it's on your phone like you if you, if you were trying to have that conversation with someone in your face like it'd just be irritating but they don't know that because they're the ones doing the irritating like if someone did it to you then like that's that's kind of the thing isn't it? it's the endless loop where like if if they don't know how to talk properly and they constantly try and talk over you. If you try and do the same, they're just going to keep doing it because they're not going to learn in that sense. You know what I mean? It's just fascinating to me. Anyway, uh, where was I at? Uh, following the Clubhouse conversation, Kevin Hart followed up on Instagram saying, quote, I'm not calling my daughter a hoe. I'm saying what she did is hoe-like activity. Great. That was, that was, that was a worthy... That's a worthy sentence. Um, everyday citizens defending and uh, exas- exacerbating? Yeah, exacerbating the sexism uh and misogynoir of uh, celebrities is nothing new in 56 1956 donald horton and richard r richard wall coined the idea of parasocial relationships in which users of media behaved as if they had a friendship or relationship with characters or media personalities oh, i find that so weird i find that so creepy parasocial relationships uh, too are just the modern uh, media evolution of how people had long gone uh, to the mattresses for political figures or gods, uh, Clubhouse allows for a new complication uh, for those to those who feel connected to celebrities and especially notorious ones at a time when knowledge of a celebrity's innermost thoughts and feelings is e- already easier than ever. Having the chance to speak with them in a room only exacerbates this false proximity, and therefore the need to want to stand up for them, even if this means common sense falls out the window and fa- and fans fall victim to unlearned behaviours. Mm-hmm, that's a bar. All that all that paragraph was a complete bar. That was great. Love it. Major points right there. Uh, weeks after the Kevin Hart debacle, uh, the problematic aspects of Clubhouse have only intensified by discussions on the app uh, entering public discourse. TMZ and YouTubers covered these 
controversial conversations. It dominated the trending part of Twitter for a time, and this only exacerbated... Okay, you need to stop saying that. the size free zone. The conversations within Clubhouse itself. Uh, while the app had made waves before this point, it reached new levels of virality as soon as it got controversial. In the ever-growing hunt for clout... Love that word, clout, is it? Ugh. I don't know that word. I'm joking, but it's just annoying word, clout. Fuck is clout. Right, anyway. It's weird how people see that as a currency, like, like legit series of currency. They don't even say it's a currency, but they legit see it as a currency. Anyway, um, there was a new game to be played. Trying to get controversial celebrities to engage with controversial conversations on how uh, on a now increasingly controversial app. In the wake of Is, is Kevin Hart Funny, uh, several rooms were created with sibling names in the title, uh, attempting to bait them into the room. On the other side of the Atlantic, days after the Kevin Hart incident, the RCA rapper Mulatto's name... Uh, was interrogated due to its origins as a derogatory and antiquated term for a mixed race person. This actually led to her being in the audience and subsequently joining a breakout room as well as Chet Hanks, I've got this one, whose inauthentic, to some, uh, Jamaican accent was ridiculed by members of West Indian sub-communities. I promised myself I wouldn't say West Indian anymore, but here I am, I only said that. Anyway, uh, he joined the chat to defend himself and unsurprisingly trended on Twitter for 24 hours following the incident. Quote, the titles can sometimes look like they're trying to have a genuine conversation. They are trying to have a genuine conversation, but it's trying to get people in the room, says music journalist Wongo Okon. Uh, Clubhouse isn't this exclusive hush-hush of a uh, hush-hush type of app anymore. If you're on it, you're going to talk about it. It does all it does all spill all over uh, onto Twitter and other platforms. Unquote. Like any social media platform, Clubhouse and its myriads. Uh, and its myriad social rooms allow for the spread of misinformation too. What started as a temperate conversation led by black women regarding rising southeast London rappers Any uh, Any's Peng Black Girls single remix featuring Georgia Smith turned into assertions around why the song was created. This stemmed from feelings uh, from consumers around Georgia Smith being on the remix as well as a mixed race woman, as well as uh, the removal of Armia Brave, who was present on the original mix of the song. Luckily, Annie was invited up onto the stage. On the stage, uh, as the magnitude of the conversation elsewhere caught her attention, but that's not always the case. That was an annoying conversation, actually. Just, um, just wanted to say how annoying that was. Um, I'm gonna skip a few paragraphs because this is uh, very lengthy, um, and uh, these are obviously just examples. If you guys haven't really, uh, you know, don't know what Clubhouse is, but those are very, those are very, you know, the most prevalent examples. Um, I'm going to uh, get into the last paragraph, but there are a lot of stuff in the middle that I've left out. I'm um, talking about moderation and uh, just uh, another things uh, worth a read. But um, just for the sake of time, I'll just uh, skip to the last paragraph. Uh, Clubhouse will continue to be heralded as new users sign up, as it attempts to maintain its gleam in the face of being a new app, even if it really serves as a rehash of older experiences. It's managed to influence one of the biggest microblogging sites in existence right now to think about audio once again and beta test similar functions. However, once you get past the smoke and mirrors, the user experience is a lot like uh, that of other applications in its field. Pockets of enjoyment are there. However, that comes at the cost of routinely, routinely witnessing, either by hearsay or directly, some form of abuse, especially if you're a minority. A crisis that tech companies in this age of in the age of social media, including new entrants like Clubhouse, have yet to truly master. And this is kind of the thing, right, for me personally, I, d I just don't really feel like the need to have it. 
You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like there's a need for it. And, you know, people have told me, oh, oh yeah, but it's good for this, good for this, good for this, good for this. And I'm just like, alright, cool. But, like, you know, it, it's the same with Facebook, technically. Like, I can go on Facebook, right, and join, you know, a lot of groups, you know, film and TV groups, you know, job listing groups, whatever. You know, and that can that can benefit my life in some way. But I'm, but I'm I've deactivated my Facebook. So what are we talking about here? What are we What are we really talking about here? Because there's obviously benefits to every social media app in some fashion, depending on who you are, of course. But still, there are some benefits in a lot of things. There's benefits to Instagram. There's benefits to Twitter. There's benefits to Facebook. There's benefits to 4chan in some way, right? I'm not going to say the benefits because I don't know the benefits because I ain't been on 4chan. But I'm just, just assuming there are probably some benefits. This is kind of the point I'm making. I don't care what social media app it is. I feel like there are benefits in some way. But, but, there are negatives to all of them as well. And it's just dependent on what you feel like, what you feel like exposing yourself to. You know what I mean? For me, it's Twitter and Instagram. I feel fine exposing myself to those two to those two apps in particular. Um, you know, Facebook, not anymore. Not into it anymore. Just just don't want just don't want to be anything any part uh, part of it in any way. Rather not. Uh, you know, I'm saying this as a as a regular Instagram user, right? So you know, get off my back about that. But still, um, it's just eh eh. But and I feel the same way about Clubhouse. Like I'm sure it's hype. I'm sure it's hype. I'm sure we get. Uh, I'm sure. You get to talk to, you know, cool people. Um, and some people get somewhere with it. Some people get work. You know what I mean? Some, it's, it's great in some ways. I can understand why people are on Clubhouse, right? But it's just every every week there's something different. There's a, there's a, and the conversations are very, very dull to me. Like they're not hearty debates worth being in. Why the fuck are we talking about Chet Hanks? Who gives a fuck? If the dude wants to be a twat, let him go be a twat. Stop giving the fucker attention. Kevin Hart is not funny. End of debate. I, I'm not gonna. Why would I be in that chat room? Why? Why would anyone be in that chat room? It's just, eh, eh. I, I'll just like go in. I'll be like, no. There you go and leave. <laughs> not funny. Dip. Gone. That's it. That's it. I don't. I don't. Why? Why? Why be in this? chat room for 30 minutes like just having people chat their opinions i don't care i have other stuff to do with my time much uh, much more things i feel like i can do with my time is i can be listening to actual genuine debates or you know genuine opinion that have you know based in fact or whatever you know i mean just anything different anything you know stuff like the lion king musical that dropped um a couple of weeks ago now that shit is cool that shit was cool like seeing that on twitter i saw a little bit of it you know, some people recorded some uh, screenshot, uh, screen recorded some of it. You know, it looked cool. That was good. That's a genuine, real interesting thing to be, uh, to be in. Um, you know, to just to listen to and be a part of. That'd be quite cool, right? And you know, it helps people get work in that in that sense. If they're good at singing, if they're good at managing, directing, etc. That's all good. That's all well and good. But that's one instance, and there's all of this. It's it's just not it. It's just not it for me. Um, so you know. And, you know, I, I say this as a person that if someone gave me an invite and I was on Android, I'd probably give it a crack. I'd probably give it a crack here and there. You know what I mean? I'd drop in some on a couple of things. Um, you know, if, if I ever get put on stage, quote unquote, for something, then, you know, I might give give my words. But, you know, if the if the conversation ain't fruitful, like most of these are, like even the anyone with the colorism thing, like that just became a cesspit. 
and you know, like uh, like Nicholas Tyrrell Scott said, like it was it was good that Annie actually had a chance to say her piece on the front, um, because it might have just been that case where it happened, uh, the chat room happened, and you know people were talking about it on Twitter, <clears throat> and that's the first and that's the first uh, you know place she's finding it, and then she has to ask people what did people say, what's the conversation around it, da da da, and she has to like you know sleuth and investigate. Um, but, you know, it, even that colorism conversation wasn't exactly fruitful to to me, to be honest, on, on Twitter anyway. So, pff, why be on Clubhouse for the main, for the main event? Why? So, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm not against trying Clubhouse. I'd give it a go if, some, if like, if it was on Android, to be honest. But, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not really interested in being in these kind of conversations for the sake of you know, uh, spilling tea, or just, you know, barking at people, I'm not, I'm not here for it, I'm really not, I've got my own platform, I've got what's good, I've got d and I can write whenever the fuck I want, and drop on, uh, Fifth Element, I've got my Twitter account, I can write whatever the fuck I want on that, I've got Instagram, I can post whatever the fuck I want on that, I'm fine, I am fine, I've got plenty of avenues to chat my ish, it's fine by me, I, I don't need Clubhouse, I wouldn't mind it, I'd give it a crack, like I said, but in terms of needing it, nah, not really. So we hop on to music segment, and this one was just funny. This one was just funny to me. I uh, I sent this to a couple of people in search of source, um, a couple of central source anyway, and uh, <laughs> and a couple of people had an existential crisis over it because it was just like why, 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 why Rolling Stone? Because um, you know people still have respect for Rolling Stone somehow, but uh, not after this one. So this is called. Uh, this is by Archie Bland via the Guardian. It says uh, it's called. Rolling Stone seeks thought leaders uh, willing to pay two thousand uh, dollars to write for them. Yes, yes, yes. Pay us <laughs> so you can write for us. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? No, uh, just off the bat. No. But anyway, let's jump right in. See what's see what's up. Rolling Stone magazine is offering quote unquote thought leaders uh, the chance to write for its website if they are willing. To pay two uh, two grand uh, to shape the future of culture, uh, the storied magazine, which had published journalism uh, by writers including Hunter S. Thompson, Patty Smith, and Tom Wolfe, approached uh, approached would be members of its new excuse me uh, culture council <laughs> culture council uh, by email, telling them that they had the chance to join quote an invitation only community. For innovators, influencers, and tastemakers, unquote. Uh, emails seen by Gu- the Guardian suggest that those who pass the vetting process and pay a one thousand five hundred dollar uh, annual fee uh, plus plus five hundred dollars up front will quote have the opportunity to publish original content to the Rolling Stone website, unquote. It suggests that doing so quote allows members to position themselves as thought leaders and share their expertise. So it's basically an opinion column. It's basically an opinion column. That's you're paying to have an opinion column on on the Rolling Stone. Yeah, no thanks. Um, a, a, an annual fee of fifteen hundred. You on crack? Wow. Anyway, continue on. 
that message is reinforced by the uh, council's website, which under the headline "Get Published." Tells uh, tells would-be members, quote, being published in one of the best-known entertainment media outlets in the world sets you apart as a visionary, leader, and bold voice in your industry. God, the copy for this is grifty, man. This is some grift. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. Uh, a spokesperson, uh, spokesperson for Penske Media Corporation, uh, which owns the magazine, said that Rolling Stone does not allow paid content to run as editorial in any context, and that all such content was clearly labelled. Publication is not guaranteed. Fucking hell. Not even guaranteed. Publication is not guaranteed, and prospective first-person pieces are vetted by Rolling Stone's partner, uh, uh, Rolling Stone's partner, the community company. Uh, that sounds just... That sounds so conspicuous. Like, what what, what the fuck is a community company? What, what Is that a name? Is that literally a name for a company? The community company. That's That's, that's so... Bland. Anyway, uh, the the pieces appear under a banner describing the Culture Council. <laughs> Just the names, these names. Culture Council, Community Company. Just, oh, so cringe. Uh, uh, the concert, uh, the, 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 wait, let me go back. The pieces appear under a banner describing the Culture Council as, quote, an invitation-only network of industry professionals who share their insights with our audience, unquote. A further pop-up discloses that membership is, quote-unquote, fee-based. <laughs> this is such a grift. Oh, my gosh. Pieces already published. I'm crying. This, I'm, my te- I'm getting tears of how funny this is. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, pieces already published as part of the scheme. Uh, literally a scheme. Yeah, it's a scheme. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a type of scheme. Um, <laughs> include a set of positive predictions... Uh, for the future of cannabis in- of the cannabis industry by a PR executive who represents a cannabis producer and a piece praising the social nature of sports betting uh, by the founder of an online sports betting community. Fuck, you know. <laughs> Fuck. It's, it's just propaganda. It's just propaganda. This is literally... This is like... This is like Kellogg's uh, uh, doing a scientific study on, on breakfast and how great it is. Like, it's just fucking... Oh, this is glorious. Oh, this is fucking amazing. How great uh, the the future of um, sports betting... Uh, wait, wait, sorry. Praising the social nature of sports betting. Paid for by the founder of an online sports betting company. That's it, what it is. Oh, what a grift this is. This is outstanding. Every paragraph is just amazing. Uh, the detail of the council's fees will be seen as a sign of how the magazine has moved on. Uh, since co-founder Jan Ven- is it Venner or Wenner uh, sold a controlling stake to Penske Media Corporation for more than $100 million in 2017 as print sales and advertising revenues declined. PMC brought the, uh, bought the rest of the company in 2019. Uh, Venner or Wenner had founded the magazine in 1967 and had said ahead of the sale, quote, Rolling Stone has played such a role in the history of our times, socially and politically and culturally, we want to retain that position, unquote, as I leave and take this money. <laughs> as I run with this bag. You know, it's brilliant. Uh, since then, Pitchfork reported last year, PMC has uh, uh, yeah, PMC has attempted to launch a Rolling Stone chart service, run more music uh, industry coverage, and added paywalls. 
of course they did. Uh, while many media companies, including The Guardian, fe- uh, feature clearly signposted branded content on their websites, and they do, I can vouch, um, it is less common for a major journalism brand to offer third parties, including PR professionals, the chance to pay for to write pieces for publication. It is understood that PMC is confident that editorial and paid content are adequately signposted and view the council as a way to strengthen readers' relationship to the brand. The scheme echoes the approach taken by the business, uh, the business magazine Forbes Councils, uh, which uh, which are also run through the community company. What the fuck is this community company? How faceless does that sound? The community company. It just sounds faceless. It's creeping me out. Um, as well as the chance to have their writing published on rollingstone.com, other benefits offered to members include uh, include contact with oh this is great contact with quote a vetted network of peers unquote in their industries and quote opportunities to collaborate cross pollinate ideas dot 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 and even hatch new projects unquote all for two grand cool the invitation to possible members uh, say that the scheme is strictly for those in the quote world worlds of music entertainment food beverage and cannabis unquote just throwing weed in there fine cool can't complain uh new members to recently celebrate uh passing its vetting process include a fund manager and a las vegas real estate broker who is also who also has a business selling alcohol <sighs> alcohol infused cupcakes what the fuck are we doing here the PMC spokesperson said, quote, Rolling Stone does not allow paid content to run as editorial in any context whatsoever. Content created by Culture Council uh, members uh, exists in its own channel, separate from editorial content, and is clearly labelled as originating from a non-editorial fee-based uh, member network, which allows industry professional- professionals to share their ideas in a paid forum, unquote. This is amazing. Like th- this is this this screams grift. This screams grift. But then again, what normal person would be doing this? Like they said, they have a vetting process, so they're only doing it for you know the. And, that, and that's the thing. I find this weird, right? So, so you're telling me, like you you want you you you're, you're charging two two k for this for for thought leaders. Like, uh, just that 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 name, that that. I have I I I combat that name sometimes. I I'm 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 for it and against it because I know exactly what they're talking about, right? I I get it, and there are genuine, you know, thought leaders. I think it's different from you know a, a term like influencers. I think influencers is a stupid term, but I think I think thought leaders has some merits. Um, but in the, but in the way they're talking about it here. Gives it no merit. Give give gives it zero merit because you're you're giving this to people that honestly could probably just two grand is chump change for them. But they have the opportunity to write in the Rolling Stone. So you know that may be a dream for some people. I get to, I I have a byline or I have a I have a I have my name in the Rolling Stone. That's that's you know that's a flex. That's a cool flex. But damn man, this whole thing just smells. It fucking stinks. It's just it's the people they have on here. A, a Las Vegas real estate broker who also has a business in ah uh, alcohol infused cupcakes. I didn't realize that was a thing. Like what? I yeah I, I I like my alcohol. I like cupcakes, but 
alcohol-infused cupcakes? I'm, uh, I, I, I don't know about that one, Chief. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, stick stick to the real estate. Stick to the real estate, you know what I mean? Stick to stick to your day job, bruv, because um, I, I, I don't know about yeah, alcohol-infused cupcakes. I'm, I'm not sure about that. It's just, it just t- sounds like it tastes weird. Like, imagine you're eating a cupcake and it just has fucking red label in there. It's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a tinge of it, but even even with that, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's like, Something sweet and then just something just whiskey in it. I don't know. Just doesn't throw. Anyway, that aside, it, this just screams grift and it just makes me laugh. It it just makes me laugh the entire way. Um, I don't know what right person in the right mind would waste two grand for this. Um, I would like to think that that Rolling Stones using the money to you know pay actual writers, actual journalists, um, but I I I don't know. I I don't know. Con- considering they're trying to have these have these na- these faceless sounding companies, community company, and and what was the was the culture one? Uh, 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 the culture council. <laughs> I I highly doubt that the, this money is uh, going to uh, you know journalists uh, you know do actual great work and uh, yeah. This is a big L for. For, for, for Rolling Stone. It's, it's tragic. So we move on to sport, and uh, this is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and split this in half. Um, because uh, the article is about a um, kind of like one of my heroes in some ways, uh, especially in the talking space. Uh, Mr. Bomani Jones uh, works at ESPN at this point and uh, has a podcast called The Right Time. Go listen to that. It's a great, uh, just just an amazing pod. Um, and just, it, just it's not even about the pod. It's just about him, to be honest. I think he's just an incredibly intelligent talker. Um, I, I think he's just one of the best, to be honest. Um, in the game, so but I also want to talk about the future of um, how sports and especially sports broadcasting um, tries to balance, um, you know, just quote unquote sticking to sports and actually um, taking account of the world around everyone because it, it it's it's becoming increasingly more prevalent, especially in the US, but also in the UK as well. Um, that just some shit just hits the fan a lot, and uh, I think I feel like a lot of sports broadcasters um, miss the mark nearly every time. Um, you know, as a, as a whole, maybe like certain people inside the in inside the space, uh, you know, produce great thoughts, such as someone like Bomani Jones. But um, overall, it's just um, it, it it's just whack. It, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work at all. Um, so, but you understand when I get when I get into this. So I'm gonna pick. I'm just gonna pick apart some of this. Um, not gonna read the whole thing. Uh, this is uh, uh called uh, Bomani Jones thrives where race and sports collide. Can he be a star ESPN? Uh, this is by Ben Strauss, um, via the Washington Post. Uh, so let's just uh, get into the first uh, first first few paragraphs. Uh, what do you think, Bamani Jones was asking, is the biggest impediment to race relations in America? 
It was a heavy question for a caller to pose on afternoon sports talk radio, but this was last summer amid the, t- amid, amid the tension of a national reckoning around racism, ha- and a noose had been found in the stall of black NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. Originally called a hate crime by NASCAR, the FBI had determined the rope was not malicious. The show's host, Will Kane, who has since left for Fox News, had declared the episode a setback uh, to race relations in the United States. That got the attention of Jones, who called into his colleague's show and asked this question. Asked this question. Uh, Kane answered, Tribalism. Jones pressed on, quote, If I were to ask you the same question in 1865, would you have said the whole thing about tribalism, he said, he asked. Uh, A quote from from Kane, yes, at a deeper deeper philosophical level, uh, Kane replied, but the more immediate uh, biggest impediment at that point would have been the institution of slavery. Uh, But this, Jones explained, uh, was a fundamental misunderstanding of racism. Quote, the issue is, dot, 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 white people not treating black people as being equal, uh, being of equal levels of humanity, Jones said. The problem I have is when you say that what happened with Bubba Wallace is going to be an impediment to race relations. Nah, man. The, those people rolling on Speedway Boulevard before that race with those with those flags, Confederate flags, obviously, um, those are an imped- impediment to race relations, unquote. As protests gripped the country, commentators across the media uh, were flying, to, trying to explain uh, them in the context of American history. Few did that more ab- ably in this moment and others uh, than Jones across ESPN on CNN and in a story about amateurism for Vanity Fair, edited by author Tanahasi Coates. Um, so it goes on to talk about um, a couple of uh, applauds he got from like the ESPN president, uh, uh, just talking about uh, ESPN as a company and how people uh, like uh, Michael Smith um, and Jamel Hill have uh, recently left ESPN for different uh, for, for uh, their own uh, particular things. Um, if you want to learn about them, go listen to uh, Jamel Hill's Unbothered. There's an episode with her and Michael Smith. They used to be like, you know, practically two peas in a pod. They had like, one of my favorite shows uh, called His and Hers and also had a podcast as well, also called His and Hers. And it was um, just they, they their chemistry was just pff, fucking a class a a a, a star, um, but yeah they've recently left them um, to do their own things because of things like this of uh, when race comes into sports but people don't want to talk about it because you know it's it's awkward um, and, and it makes people uncomfortable and hurts people's feetbees. Um so yeah it goes on to that and uh, uh, I'll get into this uh, subheading here which is called a fresh uh, fresh voice. And uh, dip into here for it's just a little bit about Jones. I just wanted to, you know, give you guys a little bit of a, a little bit of a, uh, a primer on who Jones is. Uh, Jones earned a master's degree in politics, economics, and business from Claremont, but flunked out of a doctoral program and pivoted to writing. One of his first pieces was for ESPN's uh, Page Two in 2004 about racist undertones of uh, of a saga involving a top high school football recruit uh, accused of statutory rape. He hosted a local radio show in North Carolina. And then for and then one for Sirius before earning a regular gig at ESPN's debate show around the horn. Twenty thirteen, he was hired full time as ESPN as co-host of Highly Questionable alongside Dan Levitard, and he later hosted national radio show for ESPN. He earned a reputation for his commentary on how race intersects with sports. Um, Coates, Tarnasi Coates, recalled watching Jones on ESPN, marveling at how fast he spoke. "Quote: My prejudice is to overlook people who talk fast, but you listen to him, and there's actually brilliance behind it." 
The world is waiting for you to catch up to Bomani. His commentary about the uh, about Colin Kaepernick was particularly valuable. Coach said after the quarterback was criticised for uh, setting the collusion case in the NFL, Bomani uh, quote Bomani was sympathetic not just to Kaepernick's protest but to why he might not be acting like you will think he should. Quote said jo- Jones's biggest break was supposed to be High Noon, which is a fucking amazing show by the way. Shouldn't have cancelled it. Um, a talk show he co-hosted with his friend Pablo Torre, which he debuted in tw- which debuted in 2018. Two- the two were paid more than three. Oh, fuck. Oh, imagine earning that cash for a TV show. Oh, my gosh, man. Oh, I'd never leave that place. Oh, my God. Mad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> 30 million combined. Uh, oh, combined. So, I, I assume one and a half each. But still good money. Fuck it. Like, I, ain't sli- I, ain't, I ain't sneezing at that. Uh, uh, familiar, uh, according to a person from Familiar Harris, and Jones moved from Miami to New York. In addition to sports news of the day, High Noon tackled issues of race and politics, including whether top black athletes should exclusively attend historically black colleges. Uh, it moves. It moves on. Uh, the show got cancelled, uh, uh, honestly, because uh, uh, they move. They sh- uh, ESPN shifted presidents, and the new president wanted to, you know, take a step back from, uh, you know, social issues and try and, and not trying to get too bogged down in that and focus more on the actual sports going on etc etc and you know that's a decision for better or worse and uh, obviously people like Jamel Hill and Michael Smith were very um, open about how they felt about these kind of things and you know I kind of find it interesting that Bamani Jones is still there um, I'd, I'd like him to stay there because I feel like it's just easier for me to um, link on ESPN I feel like um, in terms of what ESPN is and the fact that you can uh, be, for me in the UK, I feel like it's easier for me to um, uh, link uh, compared to something like NBC Sports or uh, or Fox Sports. But um, you know, that's even here or there. Excuse me. Um, I go to a next paragraph. Move ahead. Excuse me. Move ahead a bit. Jones is confronting his future at a moment when making the leap that leap uh, to network tentpole is more important than ever. The biggest stars in sports media can command bigger and bigger salaries, like Smith or uh, Skip Bayless of Fox Sports, or they can strike out their own, like Lebertard, who is launching his own media company, Meadowlark, with uh, former ESPN president John Skipper. Um, Jones's path is less clear. He has expressed interest in replacing Lebertard as full-time host of Highly Questionable, but ESPN opted to maintain a rotating cast of hosts, including Torrey, for now. Uh, what else there is, uh, Jones isn't sure. There could be a show on streaming uh, service ESPN+. Plus. Maybe something like Bill Maher does on HBO with a monologue and a panel. Uh, but the content vision uh, for the platform is unclear beyond live sports. He could also try and strike out his own on his own, possibly with Lebertard. Jones, who is under contract with ESPN until 2022, has been approached by Meadowlark, according to a person with knowledge of the situation, but it's too early to know what he might make. Uh, do or make with the venture. Uh, Michael Smith, who now co-hosts uh, on a show on NBC's streaming service, said, quote, I'm not sure he has been expressed the proper and deserved amount of value to him. He's singular. There's no one uh, better at sports commentary on that network uh, or anywhere else. Uh, all those questions are more acute with cable revenue still shrinking. As one former ESPN executive put it, if you're not on SportsCenter, First Take or PTI, you don't have any job security at ESPN. Ooh. And I think that's a bar. Uh, I think that's a, a genuine bar there. Um, uh, I, feel, I feel like that's kind of how it is. Uh, I feel like uh, a lot of people are trying to just, um, you know, have a, not not like a side gear, quote unquote, but, um, 
take someone like um, Chine Agumike, who who is a uh, a WNBA player and also is an NBA analyst on ESPN. And she has her own podcast as well. She has her own radio show on ESPN as well. But she is also trying, I think she's EPing a documentary as well. So she's, you know, branching out on a lot of fronts. And I feel like that's necessary because a lot of this shit is, seems very shaky. It seems like it's on shaky ground if you aren't on those shows that were just mentioned. Um, I, I feel like that's, that is genuinely the case. Uh, but moves to the last couple of paragraphs. Uh, ESPN is still the number one. Pl- this is Jones. Uh, still in the number one place in the game to be. If you want to, if what you want to do is talk about sports, he said. Uh, but he also knows the industry is changing even faster than he thought it would. A few years ago, had he he had dinner with Torre and told him there was only one or two contracts left for him, left for them at the money uh, they were making doing jobs they were doing. Quote, no matter what happens, there's always going to be somebody like The Wire was for HBO, he said. The Wire didn't get ratings, but they wanted to say they had The Wire. It looked good on the masthead. Uh, ESPN is uh, going to have uh, people like that. I just don't know who they are. Um, and this kind of moves on to the point I wanted to make about just the overall sense of um, uh, sports broadcasting in terms of the social aspect of life. Um, when you have some, and I'll, I'll stick it to something like a, a, a more UK-based um, story. So um, let's say for something like Raheem Sterling, right? Um, you have that. You have a person who has been very vocal, or, or actually a better one, Marcus Rashford. Well, let's just say both of them because they, you know, it's very similar. Um, they are black people in Britain talking about a specific thing for Raheem Sterling is um, racism in general, racism in football, etc, etc, um, you know, um, uh, bias, uh, and for Marcus Rashford is feeding children. I it, it, That shouldn't be something to stick your neck out on, ladies and gentlemen, just wanted to say that again from a previous episode, feeding children, just, just wanted to emphasise that. Um, but yeah, go read at how people how white journalists that before, um, apart from, you know, a few stories here and there over the decades, um, you know, go look at how seasoned journalists talk about these two, right? And then go see how someone more modern thinking uh, or someone just, you know, black, <laughs> a black, a black sports journalist in the UK, I mean, that's a, that's a rare breed, but, you know, try and find some of those and see how they talk about it. They talk about it with, you know, compassion. But there's a lot of white journalists in, in the US and also in the in, also in the UK that attempt, that make, you know, an attempt to um, understand, but their language, their language and how they talk about it is iffy. Like, it's, it's masked a lot here in the UK um, in, in, in microaggressions, right? And because of that, it's very hard for me as a, as a black person to say to, um, white guy next to me, yo, that guy is not talking about this properly. And he's like, what do you mean? He's just talking about it. I was like, nah, he's saying it in a way that doesn't, like, it's hard to explain. It really is hard to explain. It's hard to pinpoint um, the 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 things that are wrong with the commentary, um, but you know people are trying, but it has to improve. It has to. When you have someone like Lewis Hamilton, who is at the top of his sport, literally top of his sport, he is the name in F one, 
and people have to get with the program really quickly. Um, they re- they really do. They have to like understand the so- social aspects of because F one is hard uh, to understand um, if you're in that bubble because F one is a really elite club um, to be in. Um, not I mean you know to to cover to actually be in the sport etc. Like you travel the world and you travel to these places that you know politically are you know fucked up um, and uh, you know are very questionable you know as countries politically socially etc etc. But you know F1 comes there and everyone they they just come to race man they just come to race they're very neutral um, in that sense but. Lewis Hamilton is forcing them not to be neutral on this front, on the topic of racism. And, you know, from all the debacles they had in the, pre- in the past year, it's just it's just evident that they don't know what to do sometimes. They, they try to do it, but it's all performative. It's all garbage. Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So, um, shout out to Bimani Jones has been like a real, just measured voice on it all. Um, he did a great commentary on how people are talking about uh, the death of uh, of Hank Aaron who's a legendary uh, uh, baseball player in, uh, in the US obviously um, he did that recently um, I listened to that today and it was just super measured it was just a different commentary from everybody else and that's how valuable I see him as a very unique voice one of the most unique voices and uh, I feel like people need to just you know upgrade their game um, in terms of journalism in terms of just how to speak about certain issues, because these issues are not staying away from sports anymore. You go to football and you're seeing and you're hearing racist shit, and you have to talk about it now. You have to. It's impossible not to talk about it now. And if you are silent about it, then you are exactly the problem. So, uh, with that said, um, a lot of it needs to evolve, and I feel like wherever my money goes in the future, I feel like it'll be just. I, I, I'd. I'd I'll be, I'll be dumbfounded if he was struggling to find work, because uh, that dude is a unique as fuck voice. Some I say unique, with the full weight of that word and its meaning. Um, it's he's truly a one of one. Uh, so salute to Bomani, and uh, you know, for everyone else, get your game up. <laughs> Simply put. So I finished on the final, uh, second and final uh, life uh, segment, and uh, this is all about nostalgia and just the concept of nostalgia and how uh, technology, big tech, quote unquote, have been uh, using it um, to keep us, you know, attentive to their apps. And uh, this is a fascinating read, honestly. Um, this is by Eleanor Peake. This is via the New Statesman. It's called "Why Does Big Tech Want Us to Feel Nostalgic." And, uh, you know, once you, once you get into, once we get into this, um, you know, it's going to start off very, you know, it's, it's going to be a slow burn, but it's going to hit you at some point. It's, it's really going to hit you if just like how, how crazy it actually is, like the concept of nostalgia and just why, why it's being squeezed so much, um, in, in, in technology, but you'll, you'll get it. It'll, it'll hit you. The penny will drop at some point and I wonder when it will drop for you, but, uh, let's get into it. Old memories construct our sense of self, uh, but what if the way we remember them is being manipulated? 
Penny drop, yeah? No? Okay. In 2011, a small startup in New York launched a photo app. Well, something like something more like a social media archive. Every day, the app, uh, app curated the personalized gallery of memories collected from historic Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram posts. Uh, what were you doing exactly four years ago? Uh, thanks to the daily updates, users could simply log in and find out. Five years later, TimeHop had 12 million users. By 2017, it was too late. Nostalgia had erupted. I never used TimeHop. I know so many people that used it, and I never used it. I never felt the need to. But anyway, uh, little did TimeHop know, Facebook and Apple had already begun taking notes. Quote, it just exploded, Time Ch- TimeHop's chief executive, Matt Raoul, uh, says. He recalls the moment uh, he showed people the first prototype of the app. Quote, it was one of the... It was one of those moments when you instantly knew you'd stumbled upon some, uh, stumbled on something. People were so intrigued by it and were immediately talking about what they remembered and who was there and sending images to friends who they were with at the time. It was clear that memories weren't just a fun one-off idea for a, proj- uh, for a product, but more a brand new medium. I think others saw how engaging that was and immediately wanted to replicate it, unquote. And replicated they did in March 2015. Uh, Facebook introduced its own archive feature on this day. Every morning, Facebook users would receive a notification alerting them to old social media memories. Old friends, 21st birthdays, ex-boyfriends, the road you grew up on, family members who had recently died. It was a huge hit for engagement. In its test phase on this day, it was visited by 90 million people. Users were hooked. Uh, returning every day to the platform to see how their past lives would be displayed. In 2017, Apple released iOS 10 for the phone, for the iPhone, for their phone, for the iPhone. Uh, the iPhone's built-in photo gallery would also have a memory function pre-installed. From now on, over 700 million people in the world were just one swipe away. Excuse me, from the complicated and consuming feelings of nostalgia. But it wasn't always like this. Up until the 19th century, a preoccupation with nostalgia was a psychological disorder, treated similarly to paranoia or hysteria. Even as recently as the 1980s, looking back on the past was considered ill-advised. In 1985, the psychotherapist Roderick Peters concluded that nostalgia, quote, persists and profoundly interferes with the individual's attempts to cope with his present circumstances, unquote. The name nostalgia derives from the Greek nostos, homecoming, and algos, pain, or algos, pain. Uh, Succinctly summarising this emotion's bittersweet pull, it can be difficult to remember the happy times that we can't relive. So why do tech companies want us to relive them so badly? In 2013, around the same time TimeHop exploded in popularity, Southampton University professor Constantine uh, Sadikis, Said E. Kedis. Said Kedis. There you go. Fuck me. Sorry. Constantine Sedikides. There you go. I got it right. There we go. Um, after almost a decade of res- research on nostalgia, uh, Sedikides <laughs> and his team uh, concluded that the emotion had a profoundly positive impact on the mental health of the participants he studied. Inducing the emotion made people feel less lonely and more optimistic about the future. They felt connected to their past selves, and by extension, their future selves. It is not surprising, then, that tech companies capitalise on this positive social driver. Quote, It is an example of classical conditioning, says uh, Sedikides, by linking a positive emotion induced via photos or similar to devices. Brands such as Apple uh, uh, Apple and Facebook acquire the positive uh, 
positive qualities. Nostalgia is an ambivalent, albeit mostly positive, emotion, says uh, Sedekides. It confers such a such psychological benefits as greater social correctedness, life meaningfulness, self-continuity, sense of connection between one's past and present, um, and optimism. Unquote. The psycholog- uh, yeah, psychologist Christine Bacho um, has also researched nostalgia extensively. For her, the link between our devices and this intense emotion is obvious. Quote, to the extent that old photos make us feel good, nostalgic, uh, nostalgic reminders of our past can increase our attachment to our devices. Has the penny dropped yet? Okay, just checking. Um, in some cases, an old photo might elicit negative feelings, but overall, we become more attached to our devices as they connect to us, uh, uh, connect us to meaningful aspects of our past. However, that effect would lose its intensity if it weren't enough. If there weren't enough diversity among the photos, seeing the same photos too often would lessen their emotional impact. Unquote. This is how the pull of a memory feature becomes a cycle. Quote, When you think about creating engagement with a product, it has two parts, enjoyment or value of the experience now, but also a call to action uh, for repeated behavior over time, explains Amy Boucher, um, a design expert and author of Engaged, Designing for Behavior Change. Leveraging personal, uh, yeah, personal memories fulfills both parts of the equation for tech companies, People have an investment in seeing their memories now, but that feeling of longing can drive them to continue to interact with Apple or Facebook um, so that they refresh the supply of memories, unquote. And that isn't, uh, and it isn't just a craving to contribute to this digital museum that, pe- that keeps us hooked. It is fe- it's feeling as, this, as if this museum is entirely your own. Quote, personalization is a key component of compelling digital experiences in part because it hits the basic psychological needs that under, undergird motivation, says Boucher. Uh, when people have an online experience that feels incredibly personal, it helps them feel like their preferences and choices are being, pro- being honoured, like their work, sharing photos and comments has an impact of, of, of some sort, and like they are seen for, the, for their unique experiences. Looking back at your own memories is a quick way to feel like all of your experiences have added up to a bigger and more meaningful story, she adds. Our brains thrive on that feeling, unquote. But there is a cost. By relying on these social media moments to retell our personal histories, we experience a a sort of forced nostalgia, quote. Forced nostalgia might affect the accuracy of our memory when we recall the pictures uh, rather than the original event, we blend details of the original parts of the experience of remembering it, says Batra. Over time, people can confuse the details of the two. For example, someone can start to think a person who sent them an old photo had been present in the original event. Eventually, uh, uh, unquote. Eventually, the closing link between devices and our emotional lives could make two, make the two synonymous. Christine Batra warns that the, this moment is already here. Quote, the more we rely on, upon our devices to store, organize, and retrieve greater portions of our lives, the more likely is, uh, it is that uh, devices become more extensions of ourselves. Many people are already very stressed uh, if they are separated from their tech. We feel as if we need to have our devices near us at all times, unquote. The instinct to document and retell our stories 
is as old as the human experience, but playing with such a powerful emotion is a dangerous game. A game that will keep us logging back on for years to come. Damn. Damn, damn, damn what a fucking bar that all was. Like, think about that, right? And that Greek, and the Greek origin. Pain. <laughs> Fuck. You know what I mean? It's just, it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing to think about. Like, I was, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, how I'm, how I, uh, how I think about nostalgia, right? Because I don't keep, um, I, tr- I don't keep many, many photos, right? I, I don't keep many, um. In terms of um, my main gallery, let's, let's have, let me let me take you through my gallery right quick. Let me give you an, a rough estimate. Um, you know, I have cons. I have a folder for concert media, right? And that's all my you know the concerts I've been to, all the recordings I I did um, at that time. Um, on my main camera uh, gallery, you know, I have a you know a few a few selfies here and there, pictures with fam, uh, a bit of my graduation, a couple of videos of the dog. Um, time lapse here and there, a couple of, couple of photos of random memories I remember, uh, stuff I went to, uh, a couple of uni memories, uh, you know, vinyl, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, I don't know, just other, sh- other shit, and that's pretty much it, uh, and the numbers are about, like, 60-ish, you know, camera, another 40 on there, uh, a couple of save things, but that's mainly just like you know, writing that I've screenshotted, or uh, just videos that I've saved that I feel like a neat uh, necessary to watch sometimes. Um, yeah, and just like infographics that I really enjoy looking at, and I thought would be good to have a peep at at some point. Um, but yeah, you know, not much. I feel like a lot of people have like a ton of fucking photos. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really. I, in terms of that, what's that overall? Like a hundred. A hundred uh, personal photos I've kept, and uh, I have more reactions, like memes and shit, than actual photos of stuff. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Um, so, and you know, if I've worn a nostalgia trip, I just go through my Instagram, and I really do it. I really do it. I do it maybe like once every six months. Um, sometimes to like clean, clean out my clean out my shit. But um, yeah, apart from that, I don't really do much. And um, but I feel like the nostalgia for me personally. I like talking about nostalgic things uh, with other people. Like when I'm linking, when I when I, in, I guarantee you, when I link with the homies once again um, after after all this Corona stuff um, dies off in ten years, <laughs> um, I, I I guarantee you we're just going to be you know reminiscing. Partly because we've done nothing in the past, like you know, year or so, but still. You know, I feel like it's just going to be a lot of reminiscing, just talking about memories and shit like that. I feel like that's the best type of nostalgia, and I rarely have it. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's a drug for me. I, you know, I usually, um, I have a look at the Instagram on this day, um, like from the stories I've posted in the past years. But, you know, I have a look, and that's it. I don't, re- I rarely post about it. Um, I don't wake up to have a look, you know what I mean? Um, but, meh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that deep I don't think I'm that entrenched um, in this, but which I'm which I'm kind of happy about. But this whole thing just scares the shit out of me all of a sudden. Um, like, doesn't it? Like, when, I wonder when the penny dropped for you on that front, honestly, because uh, I, I do wonder how 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 many people just rinse nostalgia. And I feel like 
the biggest one for you guys is when you binge watch shows you've already sh- seen. I feel I feel like that's the one for bit for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of, and the second one is probably music. I feel like those are the two. But um, you know, I feel like for for a lot of people, um, you know, shit on Facebook and shit on Instagram and Time Hop or whatever, or whatever uh, third party app you use for memories. I feel like those are prevalent as well. Um, but yeah, man. It's interesting. It's interesting way to think about nostalgia of how, like, you know, it gives you that positive feeling, but sometimes it gives you that negative feeling. So, what do you do with that? Um, but anyway, there's a lot to think about with that one. So, I'm gonna go ahead and think about that. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm leave right there from the Fifth End Podcast Network. I've been Charlie and This has been what's good. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla. Thanks to your breakers for ability to use that song. Uh, you can find both of the both uh, Vanilla's uh, discography uh, via his website and ba- and uh, Chillhop's discography via Bandcamp. Thanks to Nappy Hire for his uh, for the interlude music, uh, Charismatic. You can also find his uh, site on the full show notes as well. How would I said? Hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>